Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. Before 2020, referrals arose principally from personal contact. Most firms we know had challenges when clients were distant from the office and conducting their relationships virtually, like when a client would move out of town, but maintain the relationship with their current advisor. So the pandemic presented potentially significant obstacles to getting introduced to new clients. That's why a conversation with one firm intrigued us. Jay Brogue and Matt Kreis were independent agents with Northwestern Mutual Life. They decided to get together and merge their firms in 2019 to become in tandem financial. And in that same year, they committed to a specific initiative to focus on and improve client service. The result was that even though we had a pandemic, they had their best year ever. More new clients, more referrals, even though they could not get together in person and their clients could not see their friends and acquaintances in person. On this episode, Jay, Matt, and Tracy Kiefer, their Director of Client Relations, uh, Client Relations and Marketing, tell us about the genesis of that project, what kinds of steps they took to elevate their client service, and when and how they started seeing results. We discovered that their initiative was fairly straightforward, and while there was nothing really magic in the formula, most firms don't consciously undertake a project like this. But if they did, they would likely see improvements similar to what In Tandem experienced. So here now is our conversation with Jay Brogue, Matt Kreis, and Tracy Kiefer. Tracy, Jay, and Matt, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast. We're really happy to have you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yeah, thank you. So... You know, we we uh, we have a relationship, and we, we were talking a little bit, catching up. And uh, Tracy, you had mentioned to me that 2020 was your best year ever uh, for for business and for new client acquisition. So that fascinated me. I've I've heard it from some advisors, but you were really emphatic about it. And so I wanted to dig down into that. And the conversation, you know, it, you know, made me realize we really need to share this with our listeners. So. Um, can you tell us uh, a little bit about what 2020 was like for you? Jay, why don't you go on ahead and field that question for us? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, Steve, uh, Julie, thank you. Um, and I would say that uh, 2020 is really, uh, we laid the groundwork um, years in advance. So I'll, I'll take a step back and say that uh, back in 2018, Matt and I had separate financial practices, and we decided we wanted to bring those two practices together uh, to create what's called an ensemble inside Northwestern Mutual. And um, we decided to uh, hire an executive coach. His name is Mitch York uh, with ClientWise. And Mitch really just helped us think through a lot. Um, Northwestern Mutual helped, uh, they, take us, they took us out to Milwaukee and helped us think through you know, all the different parameters of doing this. But I would say during that time of executive coaching, um, we were reading a lot of books and one of them was EOS. Um, so EOS is basically like a software for your phone, right? For, for small businesses and teaches you how to, you know, run a small business and, you know, what are the processes? What's the vision? What are your values? Um, how do you have meetings? How do you put people in the right seat? So, 
2018, 2019 were really just, you know, laying the groundwork, you know, uh, preparing uh, us for 2020. And um, 2020 just happened to be our best year, I think, simply because we put in the hard work and we did a lot of coaching. Um, we hired a marketing firm and this was I owe all this to Tracy. Uh, she brought it to Matt and I and she said, hey, I was listening to Marie Swift. Um, she gave this webinar called uh, When It's Time to Hire a Marketing Firm. And um, for us, that that became, okay, we need to do this, right? And so we we interviewed three local marketing firms and, and picked one and they helped us create a, a logo and a brand and put together a brand book and they surveyed our clients and uh, did a lot of work. And it was just really good insight to helping Matt and I bring our practice together to create in tandem financial. And what Matt and I wanted was we wanted to be able to cast a vision for our team because we had two separate practices to how can we be rowing together? How can we, you know, we, we created the name in tandem financial because we all wanted to be rowing in the same direction. And that was really um Great. I remember there was a, a time where Matt and I were casting the vision, you know, we basically told our two teams like, hey, we got to, we got to burn the boats. You know, we're not looking back, we're, we're moving forward. So uh, it was just really a lot of time of preparation. And then when the pandemic hit, it was probably, you know, 20, 30% drop in the stock market. And so clients were anxious. And so Matt and I were reaching out to them, being proactive and then one specific initiative that I would say, you know, Tracy, if you want to talk more about this was we really looked at um, in 2019, you know, looking at our top clients that are really engaged in financial planning with us. And we're, we're just trying to think through how do we deepen the relationship? And, and that really led to Steve, you know, a 2020 that was just our best year ever. So let's let's go back a little bit, and um, you you'd made reference to EOS. So for the for the listeners uh, who don't know what that is, can you tell us about EOS? Sure. Yeah, it's an entrepreneurial operating system, and uh, EOS is a book that was very helpful. There's EOS implementers, which are people who basically, you know, um, help small business owners. Uh, walk through that that book and the process of of implementing EOS. Matt and I just did it by reading the book and you know uh, using Mitch as a coach. And we also have a friend that's local, Brian White, who's an EOS implementer. Um, but that that's really what it is. It's just going through the book and helping you uh, think through every part of your business and put a process to it. Okay. And. Uh, <clears throat> absolutely recommend it to anyone. And that's, that's the same, that's the same um, sort of structure, same thinking as in the book Traction, right? Same yeah. group. Yeah. Same group. I, I know this because I just went through it last week. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's there you great. go. So, yeah. <laughs> so there and, you and, and so what was, can you, can you tell us what the pieces of EOS are, what the, you know, the sort of the steps of it are? Matt, do you want to take that yeah, one? Matt, you want to jump in? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that has really helped us is, you know, processing everything so whether it's an agenda for a client meeting or whether it's an annual review we have a very similar process for each one of those components to our practice which might seem like it's a little mundane but when you go into a client meeting and you know okay i know the last the last time i talked to them there's going to be a note about what we spoke about i know that their ages their kids ages where their kids go to school um, the last vacation they've been on, 
you know, whether they took our recommendations to update their estate planning documents, all that's going to be on a one page document that if I have two hours to look at it before the client meeting, or I have two minutes before the client meeting, I know everything is going to be there recapping what happened last time we spoke and over the last two years. So our team has really embraced processing those types of um, agendas, client meetings, um, which is allowing us to continue to deepen the relationship with the client um, and avoid those missteps when we have to backtrack on you know, what happened six months ago or what, you know, all those conversations that we should be aware of from um, in the past. It's interesting that, you know, the first place you went when we talked about growth was really structure and process and, and how easy it is to forget that, you know, that's, that's the foundation, right? That it seems like you'd agree, uh, you need to be prepared for the growth if you're going to let it happen. You also mentioned an initiative of deepening relationships. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, um, Tracy, why don't you take that? Because that was really your... Sure. Um, we um, basically, Julie, I had watched a webinar of yours and in oh, good for um, me. Yes, good for you. <laughs> um, prior to um, 20. And so that was part of our 2019 initiative was really, really looking at our processes and making sure that we were looking at it through the eyes of our clients. And, you know, you gave a really fabulous graph that talked about um, moving from client experience into engagement and really looking at everything that we were doing um, what, how does this make the client feel? Um, how do, um, you know, what might they be thinking at this time? What obstacles? So after we had worked through that and then also done seven major client events in, in 2019, and three of those were really large um, events, one as a brand launch, um, one as a, in collaboration with two of our um, professional partners, a CPA firm, and also a law firm to bring together clients and um, prospects, people that we felt like would be mutually beneficial for all of us to know. Um, we were intentional about building a community, you know, around our brand. And then we wrapped up 2019 with a huge um, event to have um, all of our clients be included. We rented a movie theater and that was just so fun to have our clients come and their families um, be there too. But um, as we planned for 2020, we realized that we had spent a lot of time and emphasis in 2019 building our brand and where we really wanted to move in 20 was to put an emphasis on building relationships. Mm -hmm. And that really takes, you know, quality time and it takes um, an intentional, you have to be really intentional about doing that. So um, again, a webinar just happened to pop up about that time. And um, I think it was Michael Kitches actually, who did an interview with Matt Oxley um, talking about really putting structure toward um, building client relationships by creating a relationship building calendar. And so we went through, we spent the fourth quarter of 2019 and um, we went, we identified who are the, the client relationships in the firm where we would have, it would have the most impact on the firm if we lost those people. You know, if, if they left and we had to make up those assets under management, like with those, were those were relationships we knew that we wanted to keep. 
So um, we we made a spreadsheet and we put their put the, those clients' names on them, and then we brainstormed out what's everything that we know about them, about their family, about their interests, what are things that they love to do, and what what do we need to know that we're lacking that prevents us from being able to go deeper with them. So um, like to make this really practical, Jay has um, a physician client and we work with him all the time and have done deep planning with him, but his wife hasn't been engaged in the process. And so as we looked at that client relationship, that became our strategic goal for, for 2020 for that client was to build a relationship with his wife. And um, we knew that they love baseball. So that became our goal. We got the calendar out. We, we, we targeted the month of May for Jay to set time to take them to a baseball game. And, um, and we went through strategically with each one of those clients and then um, and set goals. Um, what are we missing? What do we want to know about them? So that's a big undertaking. I mean, you're talking about now right down to the client level, individual strategies. I mean, I, sort of ballpark, how many clients did you think about in this way versus your other sort of one-to-many types of communications? I would say we probably isolated the top 40 relationships. Okay. It's still a lot, right? It, it is yeah. still a lot. Yeah. And and what what was that process like? When you sat around the boardroom table, you pulled it out, who was involved in that conversation? Um, and did that cause you to start gathering information on other clients differently because it looks like you were looking for the gaps in in those relationships in a way um yes um and i think one of the tools that makes that helpful we did sit around the boardroom and um and we found that to be a little tedious. So we broke the list down into the clients where Jay's the primary relationship manager and or Jay or Matt. And then they actually did case notes. So they just, you know, did a copy talk, did a, um, a case note and, and talked out everything. And then we maximized our CRM process and went back in if there were fields available in our in our database we we filled those and if not then we have this little sticky note um, description box and we just brain dumped all of that information in so that every single person on our team when they pull up that client record knows all these um, you know these little details about our clients so what were the um, once you did that and and you identified specific things that you wanted to uh, do more deeply with individual clients. How, how were those interactions different? How was a, a meeting with them different after you uh, initiated this than before? I'll step in here, Steve. I would say that um, it just helped us to um, connect with them on a deeper level. Um, you know, uh, people always want to be pursued and uh, we were proactively pursuing them to get to know them, to deepen that relationship. And, you know, we deal with a lot of data and a lot of information and a lot of things about their money and their finances. And, but people also want to build a relationship. They want to know their financial advisor. They want to, um, yeah, to know that someone cares and, uh, and is, you know, helping them with their finances and this crazy thing we call life, but that they truly do want to deepen the relationship that they care and they're, we're building uh, levels of trust. So I would just say it's, it, it came down to just getting to know our clients more intimately and, you know, getting to, to know them, them better. 
I was just going to say that we recognized a couple of years ago, just through some website analytics, that when someone was visiting our website, the number one thing that they were doing was visiting our team picture page. And it wasn't, I guess, super surprising to us because our marketing firm had said, your number one biggest priority is to spend money on photos because your prospects and your clients want to know who you are. So we tried to update our bios with things that were less about our professional expertise. Well, you know, that's obviously pretty important. I do believe that clients want to know that they can enjoy spending time with you and that they're not going to feel like um, you know, you're a robot just sitting there doing some analytics on a software program and cranking out financial plans. So we've twisted that in a way into saying, well, if clients are really and prospects are really wanting to know more about who we are, then how do we get to know them and let them know us better? And a great example of that would be, you know, I played golf this morning with a client. Um, we had been trying to do his annual review for about six months and he hadn't scheduled an annual review. I called him and asked him if he wanted to play golf and it took about two minutes until he was like, sure. And he said, and then we can, we can talk about my accounts while we're playing. And honestly, like we talked maybe for five minutes about his accounts while we were playing golf, but I learned things about him today that I had never known. Uh, he learned things about me and I, and I really feel like that type of relationship building was a lot more valuable than me telling him he had X percent rate of return last year um, because he knows me now. He knows a little bit more about how I operate. Uh, he knows more about my family, um, just a much deeper relationship than we would have ever had in a conference room. It sounds like it's, it's, it's allowing you to go deeper into these relationships. It's presumably driving deeper engagement. But how do, how do you think all of this then connected to it being your best year ever? I mean, where did the growth come from in all of this? Yeah, I would say one of the things that we started talking about two years ago when we merged our practices together was the idea of not trying to get referrals, but trying to get endorsements. Mm -hmm. um, we, we've you know, been brought up in an insurance um, company mentality of, you know, you have a meeting, you ask for referrals. Typically that's an awkward conversation with somebody. They're trying to think of, you know, who's going to be able to talk to you that they're not going to offend. Right. And we just thought, you know, that's not really how we want to grow our practice. We're at a point now, uh, both Jay and I are about 15 years into our career that we really wanted to get endorsed by our clients. We want them to tell other people, you should talk to Jay and Matt. And I think by us building a relationship with our client, the client knows so much more about us and our firm that they can feel really confident saying, you should really talk to Jay. You should really talk to Matt. I understand the way they're doing planning. I know them. I know they're what makes them tick. And we've seen that. I mean, we've been this last year in 2020, we had referrals to, you know, our better clients to their family members, to their coworkers, to professional acquaintances that they have, you know, even outside of those attorney CPA referrals, we're getting family members telling uh, other family members, you should talk to in tandem financial and um, colleagues saying you should really, these guys can help you out. Um, and they've, they've been endorsed already. So when they, when they give us a call or when we talk to them, there's really not a lot of 
convincing of our capabilities. It's more of trying to see if we're a good fit for them uh, and if they're a good fit for us. Yeah, so I was interested in, in finding out about that because um, I understand how getting more deeply engaged with clients will help make you more referable and have, have them talking about you. But in this year when we couldn't physically get together with each other, um, you know, how, do you, how did you find that, that uh, clients were finding the opportunities to refer? I, you said one was family members. So of course, we're still talking to family members. How, how, else did, how else did it come up with, for example, colleagues and other advisors and things? Yeah, so I'll step in here, Steve, and take that one. You know, I don't know that there is a specific way that I can think of it to say, okay, this is exactly what happened. Like I just got, we just got a endorsement, you know, uh, the other day where what, some clients that we had done some planning for, you know, their friends contacted me and just said, hey, you know, uh, they said great things about you and you know, they're, they're contacting us. So uh, getting back to, you know, the, the shutdown and the pandemic and how do we get endorsements? I, I would say it was a lot of that groundwork that that foundation that we laid, it just naturally was coming up and we were getting these endorsements and someone would email us or call us and say, Hey, I want to schedule a time with you and talk to you. Um, the only other thing I could say that we could point to maybe was we, re we really pivoted to social media and we did go after that and say, okay, well, because we can't have these client events, because we're not out mingling with people and having drinks and talking and making connections, what can we do? So we decided to create um, a interview called Going Further Together, which is our tagline at In Tandem Financial. And, um, we decided to interview small business owners in our area and just give them a platform to say, how are you doing? What's going on? How's the pandemic, you know, in, in your world? Um, and just to, you know, take really good photos and to, to put that up with, uh, you know, what they're telling us. And so we've turned into basically like exactly what we're doing here, which is being able to let them tell their story. And so I think that that has been huge for us in creating a bigger social media presence uh, when we weren't able to, to get together in person. We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I wanted to make you an offer in the meantime. This is Steve Wershing from Becoming Referrable. You know, with everything that's changed over the past year, your clients' needs and priorities have changed as well. How has their outlook changed, their goals? What do they think of how you, what you've done well during this trying time and what can be improved? A virtual client advisory board will give you those insights and more. Our proprietary system will teach you who to invite to your board, how to invite them, the best questions to put on the agenda. We'll facilitate the meeting and give you five deliverables. Just send me a note, steve at theclientdrivenpractice.com and put cab, that's C-A-B, in the subject line and I'll send you my free report, seven tips on making your virtual client advisory board a success. Ask us about our virtual wine tastings too. Send me a note at steve at theclientdrivenpractice.com and put C-A-B in the subject line. It's an interesting idea because, I mean, if you just tease that apart a little, right, you're, you're, uh, you're endorsing certain businesses by getting it out there, which I, assure, I assume they appreciate. 
you're telling people that you work with small business owners, right? That you support them and, and trying to, and you're telling everybody that you understand the problems that are going on. So, I mean, it's just interesting how a single initiative like that can really do all of those kinds of things. I mean, did you go into it with that kind of intentionality um, as you thought about it? And in our small business owners, your sweet spot, or is that just a, a key focus for you? Yeah, we, we definitely target and work well with small businesses. So one of the things that was an unintended consequence that we thought was going to happen, uh, but we weren't 100% sure, is we were getting people telling us when we saw them or talked to them is, oh, I didn't know you worked with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the secret behind all of it is we probably didn't work with 75% of the businesses that we highlighted. But there was an association with, well, if you're allowing them to post on your social media pages, then you guys must have some relationship. And the relationship was more just friendly, uh, but it built this huge network of people that we were telling stories for. And it allowed our uh, clients and our prospects to see, wow, they're really, they're really well connected. They do a lot of different types of businesses. We were featuring restaurants, we were featuring you know, companies that had that, that weren't essential um, that were completely shut down and talking about how they pivoted and were creative with things. So it was specific to small businesses, but some of the consequences of it were much bigger than we thought would ever be. And can you just tell us just the sort of the detail of that? So people thinking about it, was it, you know, video? Where did you post? You know, how'd you go about the specifics of that? Tracy, you want to take that? Um, sure. We, um, we, create a list of questions, maybe some information that we think would be helpful to know. And then um, usually Jay or Matt or or Minta have conducted those interviews and they really just have a conversation just like we're doing right now to find out um, what those businesses, what their challenges are, um, how they are leading in their community, in the community. Um, And we're just so inspired by their, the initiative that people have taken to pivot and to, we just wanted to keep it positive. It, it was great to put out um, success stories at a time when so many you know, people are struggling. And then we've put it out on our, um, just on our social pages. We're on Facebook and also on LinkedIn. And then we will turn that into a blog as well that will be posted and it allows us to keep those stories out there. So. Starting to think that just basic curiosity is one of the best marketing strategies there. Is. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. what what did you find people were calling you about when 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 one of your clients would introduce you, endorse you to somebody, or somebody was was responding to one of these um, interviews of a business owner? What what kinds of things were they um, wanted to talk with you about? And so last year, it's, you know, it might be overly obvious, but everybody wanted to talk about what the market was going to do, how it was going to react. And you, and know, you had all those answers. Yeah, like, I was just going to say, like, exactly <laughs> that's right. Well, that would explain awesome. the increase in business. Yeah. <laughs> just, just wait until July and it's all going to yeah, come right back. The fourth. Yeah. So I think we were very, we were very honest with our clients. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen. Here's what we think could happen. And we've also been very honest this year to tell them it didn't happen the way we thought it would. It it happened a lot quicker uh, with the market rebound. People that were calling us, honestly, the the, probably the biggest concern for the the clients that we engaged last year 
was how does this impact my long-term financial plans? And because, because what we have done for the last probably 10 years of our career has been to focus on a financial plan for every client and how does what we're doing for them fit into their overall financial plan? Those are really easy conversations to have with people that were calling us saying, I'm not sure I'm on track for retirement anymore. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the amount of risk I have in my portfolio. So it's really just, um, it was a, I don't mean this in a negative way, but there's a lot of insecurity out there um, last year with just like getting punched in the gut and saying, am I going to be able to withstand this? If this happens again between now and when I retire, should I be doing this on my own or should I be engaging an advisor? And, you know, we've got some, some different opportunities from a, a fee-based planning model to um, software that allows us to do financial planning, no different than most other firms, but it allowed us to be able to answer those questions for those prospects in a way that help them answer those questions. And so most of the people who are calling you were do-it-yourselfers and, and finally realizing maybe I should get some help on this? I wish that was the case. Uh, <laughs> there's, still, there's still a lot of do-it-yourselfers. What, what we've found in the last couple of years is that we have to be nimble enough and agile enough to offer a service or a value add to those people who want to continue to do things on their own. So those who want to continue to manage their own assets still need a financial plan. And that's where we were able to step in and say, if, you, if your desire is to manage your own assets, go for it. Um, we can provide you some guardrails. We can tell you that here's where you're headed. And these are the things you may want to stay away from. And this is where you're going to be at if you likely do these things, um, which has been huge. And, and, and Jay can probably speak a lot more to the fee-based planning side of things, but we do feel like that is an area where we're getting a lot of endorsements um, from our clients to say, you should really talk to these folks about your financial plan more so than them managing your assets or putting a life insurance policy in place. Yep. Is, is that just a sign of the times you think, or is this a mindset shift that we're seeing? Yeah, I'll, I'll hop in there. I just, I would say, Julie, you're right on, um, on track. It, it is a sign of the times it's, you know, um, there's a lot changing in our industry and in our world and technology is speeding everything up. You know, people have access to the stock market on their, you know, on their phones and, and they can make trades and zero commission and, and all of this. And so, you know, that came up with Robin hood and some recent, you know, stocks that, you know, went crazy and then came back down to earth. But, you know, it's, it's just something where um, people have access to a lot of technology and a lot of information, but they're looking for guidance. Like Matt said, we're, we're giving them, you know, those, those guide rails where, 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 you know, they're cruising through life and that they need someone to give them a roadmap to say, you know, I've got all this information at my hands and at my fingertips and I can make trades, I can do all this, but how am I doing with my debt? And, you know, can I, can I uh, build up my emergency fund and, and how do, how much do I need to be putting, you know, away for retirement? And, and what happens if I die or become disabled? And what, what about my, my estate planning and my wills and all these other. So there's so many things that they can't tackle all of them 
And even though there's a lot of, you know, uh, good stuff out there and do it yourselfers, they're still really wanting to pay for advice and get, and get some guidance and, and get a roadmap and get a financial plan and recommendations. So yeah, I would say that's a sign of the times. So it sounds like you got the foundation in place through EOS. You went deep with your existing clients, kind of shored those relationships up and then thought about what's you know now expanding and, and, and growing. So uh, none of those things are just one and done. What are the big priorities for you now as you think about making sure that uh, next year is also your best year ever? One of the things that we've continued to talk about is um, not stopping something that we know is a good uh, process. Well, there's an idea. No, yeah. no, I haven't thought about that. Well, and that's so different than most most advisors <laughs> most like me. Do, you know, yeah. it worked so well, I stopped doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, um, yeah, they're they're probably going to require you to pay something for this, but Oxley um, did <laughs> did the Stephen and Kevin show did a thing one time about CPA referrals and why so many advisors struggle to get CPA referrals. And they said, you know, it's because you ask one time and wait for the referrals and it never happens. Right. right? So we recognize, we've talked about it a little bit here, but with social media, if you make one post and just say, okay, that's going to be the post that's going to, every physician in town is going to yeah. want to hear more about this, <laughs> you know, that, then it would right. be of no value. Social media would be, you know, that's how everybody would do business. But we're, I, I feel like we've recognized in 2020 that in order for us to continue to push forward with some of these initiatives that we have to have a long runway that just doing a social media campaign for a month is never going to work. Uh, you might get the anomaly where somebody will call you and say, Hey, I saw that post. I really want, you know, I'd like to talk to you, but if you keep dripping it for, you know, twice a week for years, then it's going to start to gain traction and it's going to start to gain followers and it's going to become something that people want to be involved with. So maybe not completely answering your question, but we're going to try to not stop the things that we started because we've been having some success. They, they become a priority. It's a real answer. I think. Yeah. That's that's right, a, yeah. A, a, and it's good the advice. Best answer. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, well, this is, this is so great to hear. I, I love hearing, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, stories of people that have succeeded over the last year, but, but it's interesting as you went back, right, and talked about what was in place before that, and I think that's really the big, the big lesson for a lot of people. It's not magic. Turns out, yeah, sorry, listeners, uh, there's, <laughs> right. there's hard work to be done, but thank you so much for yeah. your time. It was a real pleasure talking to yeah, you Yeah, thank you all for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.